Sorry, man. No, a little bit of gas there. Mm. It's a little early this morning. We're not usually recording this early. Yeah, this is. I call this uh, "kill your cousin o'clock" right here. <laughs> I would fucking gladly rip you up and then use your lungs for a neck pillow right now, bro. Tom's not what we call an early riser, and by oh. that I mean he has on many occasions told me I can't. Nobody gets up at nine. What are you talking about? You said that nine several o'clock. times. Nobody gets up at oh, nine. Suck a ball, you lying bastard. Yeah. Five o'clock. That's when, like Joe's up like up at up at, up at dawn around a dewy track, like eating yeah, by the way, even dry toast. And and if he's already he's already like done some laundry at five in the morning. Even as you exaggerate crazy. now, your best exaggeration is no one's up at five. Look at the goddamn LA freeway. It's packed at six o'clock. How do you think that happens? I, I, first off, I don't know. I uh, you would never know. I would yes. never know. Yeah, I'm not in L.A. I'm in Fresno. I'm in I'm in L.A.'s asshole right now. So yeah. it's very it's uh That's it's very a lot meta in a sense, Tom. Mm, yes, very meta. No, no, very menta. Okay, good. So <laughs> you cocksucker. <laughs> Talk about things, Tom. Have the, can you name anything where you um, had a definite opinion about? a piece of art and then were completely turned around either by like a particular artist or like a genre. Particular artist or genre. Oh, shit, I don't know. Um I mean I can think of one very specific I can think of a, I can think of a number that basically are just, you know, age catching up with you in your in your your shift. What do you mean? In perspective. Well, okay, so the one that comes immediately to mind, I don't know if this is art. Uh, but when I was a kid, oh, I loved Greece. Loved yeah. that movie. Yeah. I fucking loved it. It was a great movie. And then uh, watching it as an adult, I was I felt I felt uh, deeply ashamed of my previous love for that movie. Yeah, in a sense, that's it's kind of what I'm talking about. Although it's it's a little bit more like um, something that didn't have legs. Mm-hmm. Like I, um, and and sometimes it's you. That's something like you lose affection for. You you liked it as a kid. And then later on, you don't like it. Or yeah, like I hated like I like sweet pickles, hated dill pickles when I was a kid. Now I like that's the opposite. Yeah, it's, nobody likes sweet pickles. As that's an adult. disgusting. It's kind of an yeah. You got to be like you know like Alabama or some shit like that and Kool Aid your water. And it's fried or something ridiculous. Oh, well, so, that makes it better. So like I saw Footloose for the first time <laughs> recently, and I could see that oh this movie probably. <laughs> Had some meaning at some point, but just a terrible, terrible piece of garbage, that movie. And then another one that, that gets me all the time is The Princess Bride, which I never saw as a kid. Mm-hmm. And I, I sat in a room in my 30s with like 12 adults mm-hmm. who were just in hysteric stitches over this terrible Terrible movies. There's nothing redeeming about the Princess Bride. Not one funny line. Nothing okay. interesting in the writing. Oh Jesus, God damn it! But I think the fact is, you have to grow up. I I totally understood that if, as a child, you watched it, it had this like sentimental value that that sort of helped you bear it. I guess as an adult. I'm hoping. I'm hoping we just didn't lose all twelve of our listeners. Yeah, that's okay. I don't give a shit. We <laughs> Fuck all of you, because the Princess Bride is terrible. No, but I just, but I, but I disagree. I disagree okay. about that. I don't think there's. I, is I, it Andre the Giant or Billy Crystal? Tell me who, who brings <laughs> that movie home for you, Tom. What are you talking about? <laughs> huh? you, I'm gonna, I'm gonna super Jew on this one. At least Billy Crystal didn't go into the old jazz man routine that he now does nonstop. I, I, I think, oh, they, I think that's in the extended cut, actually. Oh my god. <laughs> 
No, I don't know. I, I think it's an enjoyable movie. I don't think it's a great movie. It, people go like, "This my favorite movie." Uh, I don't know what the fuck you're talking but about. But have you seen it as an adult? Yeah, and it's still it, it's good. I mean, it's yeah. it's it's like, but it, you know, it's like um, it's an older style of it's it's a comedy, but. It's it's like it's this weird throwback of comedy where to it's all what? puns and things like that. It's, it's all wordplay stuff. Puns, though. Well, but yeah, but then it's tongue in cheek. It's a weird. It, it, it's such a weird movie. It, it, it really is a strange movie. I don't. I can't blame anybody for it, not liking yeah. it. Yeah, but it's not I even do interesting like it. enough to be strange. That's but but all of this is really not what I'm talking about because this is something you lose. I'm actually talking about you liked something. <laughs> this is our Almond Brothers tribute of the show some, right now. Someone, by the way, yeah, that's yeah, right. Greg died this week, so we're just gonna talk this out for 47 <laughs> minutes before we get to anything. But whipping poster. But but um, God, side road to that. Do you remember the time we saw the Almond Brothers uh, and they played Whipping Post? And an hour later, you turned to me and Tom turned to me and said, "Is this still that same song?" And it was da na 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 na. Now, like fifty three yeah. minutes later. Yeah, yeah. By the way, uh, Tom was uh, Tom was enjoying chemicals for that. That was the weekend. Yeah, that was the first time I ever uh, took that particular brand of chemicals, as I recall. No, dummy. So uh, I'm duck- I'm actually talking about something you liked, whether as a kid or as an adult, and and. And someone turned you around, or maybe just watching it again turned you around. Not like it didn't last, or you know what I mean. Like you were convinced later on that it was not good, or that it was. Um, like the recent one for me is is our mutual friend Doug really did a number on me regarding the band Rush, which I grew up with and I loved. Ridiculous sort of Getty Lee philosophy, you know, and all this sort of stuff. And now he. I listen to Russian. It's like it's it's horrible. I mean, they're great musicians, but it's like their whole albums about about trees fighting and and, and so forth. It's really <laughs> it's really a dreadful experience in a way. It's it's not to be enjoyed. I came very okay. I'll tell you one one that I came very close, and this was simply an aesthetic thing. I came very close on Zeppelin. I came very close on stepping off the Zeppelin bandwagon. Just tired of them. Just well, not just tired of them, but like when that whole thing came out about how. Oh, you yeah. know, r- rather blatantly, they had been ripping off other blues Not artists. A As bit. a comic, that bothers me. That just bothers me very sort of at the at, at an intrinsic level. And so I was really about to just completely step off the Zeppelin bandwagon, and then I listened to it, and I was like, God, fuck, these guys are just great. They just They're are really, really good at what they stole. Amazing. There's so many things I'd like Shoot. to talk to you about, especially this week, because this is the week, if you listen to this, you know, in the future, for whatever reason you would, um, listen to it. It's it's the week that Kathy Griffin is it Griffin or Griffin 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 is had lost her career because she held up a beheaded. So I want to go down that road, and there's so Jesus. many roads that, that this sort of right. leads to. But all right, but yeah, maybe, I was thinking this is our almond. I like it. This is our one session. <laughs> you know, let's go. You want to? Yeah, let's. What, okay, let's just do whatever, man. All right, let's let's not go too long though, because all this leads into a couple of films we want to talk about. Um, this going to be another channel. Kathy Griffin, 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 who I'm not a fan of. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't really like her comedy. I'm not even sure that oftentimes it is comedy. It's a sort of strange sort of performance humor, humorist maybe, or something that she does. Um, but anyway, so so she did a um, a photo shoot where she held up. Um, she's sort of dressed as a sort of Stepford Wise or sort of like a Children of the Corn or something outfit and, mm-hmm. and or American Gothic, and she's holding up 
a decapitated sort of dummy's head, bloodied, that clearly resembles... President uh, oh, Donald <laughs> Trump. God damn it. Donald, Donald Trump. Trump. And I think we, we, have sli- we have different takes and yet the same sort of feeling about mm-hmm. it. Um, and go ahead. I have a minor change because I, uh, you know, you, uh, Joe chal- uh, Joseph here challenged me to write up a, uh, like a little kind of an essay on it, which I did. And, and, yeah. and, uh, and I like the essay and, I, and, and, and I'm, I'm not changing anything in it. I will say the one thing, having now seen the picture, yeah. the picture is kind of funny. That's the thing, is that... It's kind of funny. One of the things that you said that (laughs) I I disagreed with was that you didn't think Kathy Griffin wrote it and that it was just a pure matter of the the photographer. And I disagree Mm. because I laughed out loud the first time I saw it. Before Mm. any of this sort of shit came down, you know, regarding the picture, it was really funny to me. And I thought, I disagree with you because I don't think, I don't think photographers are that funny. I think I think it was her idea, and it was a joke, and I think it was a funny joke. Mm-hmm. And if you don't think it was a funny joke, that's fine too. But the other thing I disagree with you about is this person. idea that that comedians shouldn't support each other, like intrinsically. Like you have a common cause about language, so it seems to me that when somebody's in trouble for using language in the service of a joke, mm-hmm. you should immediately come to their defense. Well, yeah, but I, I, I would say that too. But I would say that. Frankly, I think that responsibility is everybody's responsibility, yes, not agreed. just the, the comedy community. Because yeah. once the because you know, like once the comedy community like raises its head, it's like when you have the protest march, yep. and in the back, like everyone's like protesting, oh, down with this war or whatever, you know, down with this war, or, yep. uh, women's rights or whatever, you know, silliness. Uh, when people are just <laughs> marching for this, and then there's four people in the back dressed like Ninja Turtles, right? That just fucks it up. The same thing happens with comics because comics are clowns, and people yeah. people intrinsically don't take us very seriously about these things. So comics coming together to do that kind of thing, it, it, it's a, it's almost a meaningless gesture. I disagree with that too. I think you're you're you're. It's a false modesty about the power of comedians. I mean, think about the the, the comedians <laughs> who are getting traction. Um, this year, even mm-hmm. they're they're comedians that regularly make the the time like 100 most influential people list and so forth. And you're right about everyone should be mm. su- supporting her, but but comedians should be the first ones to sort of be in there. And I'm sh- I'm always surprised when like a radio host or a comedian gets in trouble, and I see other comedians or radio hosts or whatever s- silent on this issue. You know what it is? I think it's if you're not one of those people who has who has gotten to that point in their yeah. career where their where their voice can have that kind of matter. Yeah. You're just you're too busy thinking of the uh, uh, of the the you know the the open mic at a Wendy's at a truck stop that you've got coming up. You That's, know what I'm saying? Like it, no. it's it's a, there's a very uh, there's a there's a level beyond which dignity just doesn't apply how, to this. But how busy do you gig. have to be just to say something? That's uh, that whole thing. Like I don't have time to. Mm-hmm. We just no, no, not not just a matter of time. It's yeah. also a matter of perspective. You, I don't see myself. I don't see comedians' voices powerful because look, well, look where my whole mind gets said. You know. So we're talking about um, films, actually. That was a long segue. I, I, I mean, I, I no, guess it was fine, pretty man. self-indulgent of us to do that, but all yeah. kinds of stuff led into it because all of this is for me about um, the the famous Japanese director Kurosawa, Akira who, Kurosawa, who um, I was not a fan of, and and mm. I really was kind of resistant toward uh, Kurosawa. Now I saw the movie Ran um, before I knew who he was. Uh-huh. Um, Basically, because I, I understood it to be a um, a rehashing of Shakespeare's King Lear. All right. Um, I saw the Seven Samurai last mm-hmm. year, and um, 
it's undeniably a good film, no mm -hmm. question about it, but the expectations had been set so high mm -hmm. that it's sort of like the first time I saw Powell's Bookstore, which is a city block, <laughs> but when I saw it, I was like, that's it, because it, it had been built up in my mind as a sort of mecca, and so mm -hmm. had The Seven Samurai, plus I grew up watching The Magnificent Seven, mm, which right. is, I mean, it's sort of like, it's ridiculous for me to, to have such an attachment to the, the American remake, but I do, mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. so I saw, and then there was another one, and I forget what it's called, but it's, it's Essentially, it, it the claim is that um, Star Wars was at least partially based on this film. I forget what it's mm -hmm. called, but I, I was bored by that. And so mm. um, Tom recommended, let's do an episode on Kurosawa. And I was like, yeah. Uh -huh. um, but I thought this is what we're supposed to do is sort of challenge each other, challenge ourselves. And so so this is, yeah, the challenge was accepted. And the first film that we watched um, separately, because that's a thing that we do, mm. is we watch mm. films separately. Mm. We never comment on them before. Never. Not a hit the mic except that savage ring. Not fucking oh, help but crowbar our comments. So anyway, in. there's this movie. Shut up. Yeah, shut up. Quiet. Save it. Yeah, All right, whatever. Cool. And I hope you have the same. I lose your job. Feeling in your brain right now. Jeez, that no. had at one point, but but um, it's 1952's <laughs> Ikiru. Um, Ikiru, right? Um, by Kurosawa. Mm -hmm. Which right. Ikiru, as I recall, means somewhere loosely along the lines of life. Okay. Basically, yeah. that's what that translates into in English. And uh, I saw that in a film class. Um, oh. So yeah, I took a film class uh, in junior college. Uh, and it just blew my mind. That's one of the reasons I picked this movie. Yep. There's so much go. There's so much that goes on with Kurosawa. He's such a loaded character in a lot of ways. Yep. Seven Samurais, uh, Sanjuro, Yojimbo. These are all great. These are all great movies. But Ikiro is the one that really can bring you into the fold and show you exactly what this guy was about. Yeah. In a lot of ways. And there's this other thing too, which is and and I thought this would be I, I picked this one very specifically because of that. And the second one we picked was for me a little bit of a gamble. Because one of the acting gigs in the second movie, yeah. one of the actors is way over the top. And I yeah. know that kind of turns you off. So I was a little worried about that. But barring that, in, in Akiru, it's all very quiet. It's very straightforward. It's set in at that what at that time was a very modern setting. Yeah. Uh, no, no, no crazy uh, samurai stuff going on. Mm -mm. And it's a very simple, beautiful, elegant story. Wonderfully framed, like the, the cinematography is wonderful. It's like it's a, it's it's Kurosawa at his absolute best of cinematography, and it, and it also deals with larger sort of um, like okay. So what's his name? Uh, Woody Allen often mm -hmm. cites Kurosawa as a uh, as a major influence in okay. his career, and these two movies are the ones that I think most plainly illustrate where you can see that. Like you could see crimes and misdemeanors. If you've seen these two movies, okay, you can see you can see where that influence comes from. This yeah. ambiguity of um, where we are in society and what what constitutes reality, even in some cases. Yeah, which we'll get to that in the second <laughs> one, I think, especially. But mm -hmm. but um, so so with uh, it's Ikiru. Ikiru, yeah. Ikiru is, is unless um, I'm saying it completely wrong, in which well, case yeah, we're both racist bastards. Yeah. Today, yeah. So Akira is, is the story of um, a Japanese um, bureaucrat, essentially, mm -hmm. um, the head of a, a, a bureaucratic office in Japan. Mm -hmm. um, but the, the fact that nobody knows what the, what office he's in charge of mm -hmm. is actually sort of the joke of it, too. Yeah, okay, fair enough. That's part of it. And, and so it's, it's, um, it's clear that his day-to-day -day existence is just stamp, paper, look, mm -hmm. look at watch. It's just sort of like, like, how do I get through the day, day after day? And it's a cycle of 
it's a cycle of saying no to things yeah. as well. You know, it's all, it's all about pushing problems from one department to the next department. It's yeah. all beautifully illustrated. And it's, it's worth noting that an early sort of um, tension in the film is that a, a group of, of neighborhood um, women have mm -hmm. come in and, and there's like an, an open sewer and an area that, that, that they think needs fixing, essentially. They want something else there, please. No open sewer. And they're sent to 16 different offices. And, and finally, out of frustration, they just sort of like tell off you know the guy's office and, mm -hmm. and they leave and, um, and you'd almost feel like that's just and and nobody nobody blinks at that because that's just what it's all set up to do it's one of those things <laughs> where you look at it it's like i think this is meant to be satire but it's sort of the way the world is yeah. i'm not sure yeah yeah, yeah. <coughs> so so um so the the problem the initial problem in this film happens mm -hmm. when our main character um, Mr. Watanabe, I think Watanabe, is his name. Which, mm -hmm. by the way, something I love about about this film, and, and maybe I, I could like about Kurosawa films in general, is the sort of um, intrusive narrator. Uh -huh. Like Chayefsky films don't have a, as intrusive a narrator as this, and it's it's <laughs> that the narrator is not only intrusive but intrusive about the task of narrating. Mm -hmm. Here is our protagonist. Mm -hmm. He feels the following way, yeah. and, and I kind of enjoyed that. And the first problem that comes up with Mr. Wantabe is that he um, discovers that he has... It's Wantanabe, you savage. What is it? Wantanabe. What did I say? Wannabe or something like that. It was terrible. You didn't, it sounds like you didn't even hear it, Tom. Yeah. So, so, and that was not an important thing at all <laughs> to interrupt my, the flow of my conversation. Oh, but please continue with okay. your drill. So um, he had what I wish Tom had and that stomach cancer and only six months to live and you so, sure that's not what this is <laughs> um yeah, it's less obvious than tom's stomach cancer or whatever it is this so, is my twin quabble so our protagonist is given to understand really that he has in a very strange way that he has stomach cancer and mm -hmm. probably six months to live and so a, a very sort of um old you know philosophical question comes up you know about um, what makes us appreciate life? Right. It's, what have you done with your life also? Right. And what makes a life worthwhile? And mm -hmm. why is it that it's only when we're at the end or, or in danger of losing our life that we begin to appreciate that the, you know. That there's something there. That, that, and, then, and that it's something actively to be sort of sought after. Right? Yeah. So this guy, so he, our protagonist is forced to sort of go back and examine all the things that he spent his life on. And yep. one of them was, you know, he got into this, he didn't want to be a bureaucrat. He got into it because he had a son and he needed to raise the son in post-World War II Japan. And so he did, but his son turns out to be kind of a shit heel. Right. Well, also, and his, his wife had died early on. And so mm -hmm. there's that sort of parallel, you know, his, it's, it's less flashback and more like, I've never seen film truly capture remembrance as opposed to flashback the mm -hmm. way that this does. Um, and Carousel is just, he's really, um, seems to be a master at that, dipping back into the past in appropriate and very digestible moments so that you can, you feel um, sentimental, but not saturated in sentiment. There's also one of the things that makes this movie, I re that really stand out for me is the way Kurosawa plays with time. All right, he does a very he does some very untraditional things in here. Yeah, like he like he doesn't give you the end. Like like halfway through the movie, we cut to, or it was like two thirds of the way through the movie, we cut to the funeral remembrance of everybody talking, right. talking about yes. him. and that's when other pieces of information come in, and that's when we find out what happened. Whereas in a more traditional movie, they'd have just gone straight to him making this thing happen, which is to finally 
Should we spoil that part of it? Well, I don't know, but 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 that that element <laughs> of Kurosawa's like exposition also is like clearly seen in Tarantino, for instance. The, mm-hmm. the idea that first of all, there seem to be chapters, yes, right. So like, um, there's there's this sort of wonderful segment early on where where our protagonist wants to sort of live life, and he has money, he doesn't know what to do, so he he meets up with this artist who sympathizes with him mm-hmm. and takes him out and, and to sort of experience all the pleasures he hadn't experienced before in right. life. And of course, you know, he realizes that that's, that, that wasn't, it's that sufficient. wasn't it. That wasn't it. And so then he meets this sort of young woman who, mm-hmm. who, who quits her job because she doesn't like it, which is a foreign concept to him. So, right. so he latches onto her and she's uncomfortable after a while because she thinks it's, it's romantic, but it's not romantic and the, yeah. uh, romantic only in the sense of, of, of be, he wants to be around someone who's, who's young, young and loves yeah. life, mm-hmm. and then he realizes that isn't it. And so he has. And and, and Tom alluded to the sort of um, the ending where this is sort of like half hour retrospection about his life, yeah, vis a vis other people who remember little segments of things about him, right? Little segments of things about him finally achieving a moment of achievement, yeah. basically of Yukiro, of life. What you know, what what his slice of what he, the meaning of life ought to be, which yeah. is which is an actual accomplishment. Uh-huh. Which goes back to that open sewer we were talking about. So it's this great little flashback back to that. Yeah. There's so many yeah, it's just it's this ah, it's such a beautiful little movie. It's a it's a fucking gorgeous movie. And I have to say, here's the turnaround. This is why I'm talking about turnarounds mm-hmm. is my sort of resistance to Akiro. Oh, hear that buzz? Yeah. Let me turn that down a bit. Um, was um, cured in a sense here because um, this might be, this is entering my top 25 movies of all time for sure. I mean, I really, really liked this movie. Yeah, I was was bummed because I've seen this a couple of times before and I wanted to see it prior to this just because I wanted to see the goddamn movie again because it's so much. So you're just going off memory here? I really am. And there's so much in this movie that is also really interesting because... It's this. It's it, at the same time as this very personal commentary about this Japan, elderly Japanese yes. gentleman in his life. Yeah. It's also this really wonderful commentary about Japan and the post World War uh-huh. Two world. Yeah. All right. It's this. It's, it's it's now become this bureaucracy. He's stuck in this thing. Almost all the pop culture you hear in the background, all the eidetic music going on, is American pop music. Yeah, it's just yeah. really interesting. They're at like this party, and in the background, there's like this this American song with uh, Doris Day being sung yes. or some shit like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's uh, so th- so that's really a fascinating little angle to it as well. Yeah, it's, it's, it's so many amazing things about this film, and it's it's uh, the pacing, and also I remember years ago I took a writing class um, with a I just got lucky. It was a um, a Pulitzer um, winning writer. And, and I was in the class w- with a number of people, including this 18-year-old girl from Santa Cruz. Mm-hmm. And she wrote this poem about a flower. And it was kind of cringeworthy because it was such <laughs> horrible. And I'm like, oh, my God, this guy's a Pulitzer Prize winner. Mm-hmm. So he starts tearing her, her work apart, you know, mm-hmm. and she's kind of teary-eyed. Um, and she looks at him and she says, you don't understand. The flower's a metaphor for love. And he <laughs> said, yes, my dear, but first I have to believe it's a flower. And I don't. Hmm. And I think that's that's what Kurosawa gets in this film is that it, it's so much about these huge issues about life and what makes you yeah. live on and so forth. But it's also it's very believable as a story about this man and his life. Yeah. So it, it, it were and. Oh, I just love this film. I love the cinematography. Isn't I love it great? Like the, he, the, the the way he makes 
the picture, the frame, just the little bits of frame, like tell the story at the same time. Like at the beginning, yep. when he's just lost in the world of bureaucracy, uh-huh. you don't see him when he's at his desk because he's sitting behind stacks and stacks and stacks and stacks of paper and right. folders and things like that. But as the you know, uh, but 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 that is used as a framing mechanism for his awakening as well as the movie progresses. I mean, yeah. it's just that. By the way, I, did I tell you I took a, a class? So. <laughs> No, but I think that's, that's something I would say about Curacao in general is it, even the films I'm less impressed with is that you, you feel like a, um, a student of film when mm. you watch his films. You yeah. Can, you oh. just see yeah. The, someone. And normally you don't want to see the person behind the, mm-hmm. the canvas or the typewriter or whatever. In this case, it's a joy to yeah. see the hand of the creator. It's not distracting in any way. Now, by the way, I just wanted to make a really quick point. uh, Takeshi uh, Shimura is the actor. It's Kanji Watanabe is the character he plays in it. And he is also the the Yul Brynner character in um, The Magnificent Seven. Now, You mean The Seven Samurai? You're right. The Seven Samurai, I know. Easy to miss it, yeah. Well, but here's a really interesting. Uh, uh, this this interesting. story was related to me at one point, which is um, Kurosawa was actually a traditional. Uh, he was from the shogun, not, not the shogun, but the samurai class in yep. Japan. In Japan, mm-hmm. uh, so he had uh, at one point um, the director. Uh, he met with the director of the Magnificent Seven, John Sturgis. John Sturgis, yep. that's right. Uh, and he presented him with a katana, which had been in his family for many generations. What is a katana? It's a sword. Okay. It's the traditional sword of, of the samurai. Yep. Uh, and, and he said he loved the Magnificent Seven because it was a, it was because it wasn't a shot for shot remake. It wasn't it was it was taking the same story yep. and putting it in the American myth, mythology, whereas his story had been in the Japanese mythology. So right. he had he had a genuine appreciation for that movie. Well, that's cool. Yeah, that actually was interesting. I don't expect those. Things from you. That's because you, you have a very small brain in there. It's like dinosaur esque. Well, that's just mean. Yeah, to dinosaurs. Okay. So I think we're, we agree that that uh, Akira is uh, a great film. It really like, is. Without any reservation at all. Just an amazing film. Unhesitatingly, one of the most beautiful, quiet films I think I've ever seen in my life. Yeah. <clears throat> well,. And I'd now? like to now turn to, uh, is it Rashomon? Rashomon. From 1950. Mm-hmm. Because we need to contrast things here. Yes. Go for it. P.U. <laughs> <laughs> right, what I, a fucking stinker this was. This is, where I took my, this is where I took my gamble on the acting there. Yeah. To, it's not just the acting. It's mm. the whole thing is a fucking disaster. And actually, the, the, <laughs> this is a film. It's from oh two years God. earlier. I actually... Um, it hooked me in initially. The mm-hmm. premise was kind of interesting. Right. Um, it's a film that is unflinching, well, as much as it can be in 1950 in terms of its sort of violence, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. its cruelty. Mm-hmm. Um, it's taking on big issues. And, and you know, you just heard me praise a film that took on big issues. So I don't mind when right. Kurosawa wants to take on big issues. I'm, I'm ready for mm-hmm. that to happen. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just um, not good in any way <laughs> this film uh, um, it's, God. it's in fact the the fact that um, I don't know the actor's name but the guy who plays the sort of the famous um, uh, quote unquote seducer of women uh, the playboy of the sordid playboy of the jungle <laughs> is um, uh, overacts <laughs> in such a crazy maniacal manner isn't is even the a- worst thing about the film <laughs> it's it really is quite dreadful <laughs> as a film so we're talking uh, to Shira Mafuni, uh, considered maybe one of the greatest actors in uh, in, in, in Japanese history. Uh-huh. 
Well, it's really the interesting. The guy who plays the 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 Playboy, the 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 samurai Playboy. Yeah, well, the 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 bandit, right? Yeah, he's considered one of the greatest actors. That he, says so little for Japan that he's considered one of the. That's like Matthew McConaughey being considered one of the greatest actors of the Lawrence Olivier of his time. Well, he might be actually at this point, but uh, barring that, um, magic mind. <laughs> well, yeah, but. Um, Focus. True Detective. Okay. Oh so. wow! Uh, I gave Tom a little shirtless McConaughey image, and he no, lost I was track. no, I was having to think. Sometimes people pause to think. You should consider doing that mm. once in a while, particularly when you start talking about one of the greatest movies of all time. Do you really love? Do you love? I do love this movie. I, I do have to. It does have that. It does have that over the top acting that I knew was going to drive but you. But the banana. story is terrible. It's a fucking dreadful story. Well, I don't understand how you say that. I mean, it's just, it's well, a very simple. I mean, the story yeah. is basically this. But let's tell the story. Yes. A murder has occurred yes okay we're dealing with the after effects of it and we're dealing we're we're, we're, we're in a court of law which looks weird to me but it's it's an ancient japanese court of law uh and everybody's giving their the witnesses are giving their testimony well, wait, you have to start before that because it doesn't even start there and in a in a in a sort of move that worked in passage to marseille but does not work here it doesn't even start there for no particular reason Two of the witnesses who want to talk about the crime mm-hmm. are sitting in the temple. Sitting, right, okay, in an and, abandoned temple during a crazy rainstorm. And some guy comes up and says, what's what's wrong? Mm-hmm. Oh, we just saw something crazy. Let us tell you. I, for no reason does that sort of backflash exposition, exposition there. <laughs> I, would and, have, I would have said there are probably books written about why that was done. But I couldn't tell you exactly why myself. And then they go I back to the court. couldn't tell you why myself. And then, and then, and then this, we get this series of different witnesses. Witnesses to the same the crime, same crime essentially, mm-hmm. and there's no, there's a sort of lack of logic there as well, because I, what's interesting is what's very sort of Tarantino like esque or influ- <laughs> would influence Tarantino, I suppose, is this idea that the same event can be told from multiple points of view, and the I really ambiguity of multiple. Yeah, I love that idea. So, but but okay, so well, it starts it starts with the first witness. The first, oh, the first witness is Toshiro Mifune, yes. right? Yeah, he's the bandit, right? So he tells the story of, of the slaying of the samurai on the road. And, and uh, the, the four witnesses are basically him, the guy, the bandit, the one who supposedly did the killing. Yep. Uh, the, the wife of him. The, at one point, they bring in a, a seer who is a... <laughs> Who contacts the ghost of the guy who was killed, and he gives his testimony just as fuck, well. I just want to just pause there. <laughs> just pause that one of the witnesses is somebody who's channeling the spirit of the dead man. I think that would hold up in a court of law. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure. I'm sure it's there were courts of law, and we both east and west at some point. Who would have thought that was amazing? Yeah, and by Blues the way, didn't have to like hold a metal rod that was you know red hot to prove innocence. Channels or... it in a way like Whoopi Goldberg would be like, settle down, please. Like, <laughs> like she's dancing around. It's just mm. horrific. Um, the part of the crime, by the way, is also that this bandit has not only the reason he potentially one of the theories about why he's killed. The um, the shogun warrior, the samurai. The samurai warrior is that he rapes the samurai's uh, right, wife. His wife, right? Gets up, gets gets all up in that shit. Yeah, um, yeah. There is that, and uh, and so he, he he. So it's all about the ambiguity of perspective. Basically, is the essence yeah. of the movie. Yeah, which um, is an interesting idea. I, you I just mean, don't I like the execution. It's I think fucking is what you're horrible saying. execution. Yeah. Just terrible execution. I, I love the idea of, of of a murder and like telling it from three or four different perspectives. Mm-hmm. Um, it says a lot not only about perspective, the the, the concept of perspective, right. but about witness 
mm-hmm. about legality, all of these sort of concepts. But it it's they managed to make um, a rape in the forest and a murder told from four different perspectives dreadfully boring. I mean, it's just okay. it's just boring and and not just badly acted. Mm-hmm. Like Peter Graves in Night of the Hunter does some bad acting. This mm. is like any junior high school theater product, uh, 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 director would would fire that student and then flunk them. I'd have to go see. I'd have to go read some some learned essays on because I'm not sure. I, I, I'm not sure I can defend it adequately. I I, I know that I like the movie. Uh, I know that yeah, what the acting like is definitely. It? I I, 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 lo- I like the background on it. I like all those little thoughts that it's trying to get at, like the, the ambiguity of perspective and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. I love that stuff. Yeah. I happen to enjoy Toshiro Mifune most of the time. I don't always enjoy him in this one. He's, he's way over the top. He plays essentially, he plays a very similar character in the Twelve Sam- in the, uh, yeah. the, uh, the Seven Samurai as well. Uh, it's not until you watch some other movies where basically Kurosawa, he was, he was Kurosawa's John Wayne. Like J- John Ford to John Wayne, this was, uh, Mifune was Kurosawa's John Wayne, okay. essentially. And so, but his scope over the years, his range over the years grows out of that one. But but what but, but Kurosawa liked most about him was his ability to bring an intensity to things, which he succeeded in doing in this. Yeah. Um, it's just a little bit hard to watch sometimes. So, yeah, yeah, but not in a way that's like cringy. Because that can be interesting. I didn't find it like cringy, like oh my god, the violence and the meanness. Mm-hmm. I actually can appreciate that, and mm-hmm. and and lots of producers, writers, directors. It just it just seemed like a, a disaster, like just a mess. Uh, and sometimes a really neat idea is folded into like some people. Do you know? Um, yes, I probably do. The Plato's Symposium. Oh, God. You know this? It's, yeah, well, that's just it. It's exactly it. Like, that's a, fuck, that's a great piece of literature about mm-hmm. what is love. Mm-hmm. And if you pick out, like, f- three of the speakers, including Aristophanes, it's interesting. Mm-hmm. But it's not worth hours of your time to read through this symposium to get everyone's view. Mm-hmm. And that's what I mean. It's sort of like, um, you know, Patton Oswald has this great sort oh. of um, uh, bit about... Um, how he wants women to be leaders. And that's not what's great, because that's just the easiest thing for a comedian to say, to get like an applause break. I think women <laughs> should be leaders, because it's like there's nothing there's nothing behind it, right? Mm-hmm. But he follows it's three it up. days a year. Three days out of the month, they're going to be super aggressive. I like it. So, the, so <laughs> he follows it up by saying um, that he loves film, which mm-hmm. caught my attention. And he says that um, the real directors in films are the editors, and most mm-hmm. film directors are men and most editors are women, women meaning yep. that men bring like 18 hours, like here's my 18 hours. And the women are like, okay, go away. <laughs> I'm going to make this into something. Yeah. And he actually turned like a hack premise into like a really interesting point. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's the thing here. Like, I, I don't know who edited this film, but and it's a lot shorter than the first film, which I sure adored is. the first film. Mm-hmm. Um, but the editing, it's something about it was just too, it was just too much. Okay. It was an interesting concept that was, I did not like it. Yeah, yeah, not at all. And okay. you liked it. I do, yeah, yeah. I don't love it. It's not one of my yeah. favorite movies of all time. I can think of a couple of different Kurosawa's that I like better just off the top of my head. Yeah. Uh, but uh, but uh, but I liked it. I thought it was good. And I thought, like I said, I picked these two because, like I said, they, they both have that that quality that you can see appear in, you know, Woody Allen, which I know you, who I know you love. Sometimes. So I figured if we take a look, yeah. you know, these two, then maybe, and yeah, the, the gamble was on, 
uh, it was definitely on Rashomon, and it definitely didn't work. So yeah, okay. that's all right. Well, this one, by the way, there's no risk to it because I think Rashomon can be seen in its entirety, uh, unmolested, ironically, on YouTube. You don't have to pay for it. We'll link it. Oh, okay, great. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. That'll be linked. Okay, great. If yeah, if it's public domain, we can totally do that. That's great. All right. Anything else to say about uh, Kurosawa? Um, one of the greatest directors of all time. I, I just am not not entirely sure what to say other than that. Uh, total for me, both films complete thumbs up. Okay. Well, I would definitely recommend Akuru, um, and that's pretty yeah. much it for me. But I would definitely recommend it. All right. Cool. All right. We are the uh, Finleys on film. Mm-hmm. Yep. We love uh, we love old movies. Uh, we love each other. We love but to argue, to argue, and to be mean and to, to be each other. Mean, we yes. got to come up with a different fucking tagline. That's terrible. Yeah, probably. I'm tired of it. Okay, all right. I, we can barely remember it most times. Yeah. Sorry, everyone. <laughs> See you next time. Next time. <laughs>